pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sean Rima, 9 till 11. News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. Six minutes after nine on News Talk 550 KTSA FM 1071. I'm Sean. This is my dumb little show. And the phone lines are open 210-599-5555. 210-599-5555. We send out prayers to Hawaii and uh, we'll, we'll talk about the wildfire uh, coming up in, in a little bit. Obviously, that's the big story of the day that everybody's following. Yeah, I don't know what else to say other than pray. Uh, and God bless our, our uh, the rescue efforts and the firemen, fire people, uh, and the uh, the pilots uh, trying to get people out. It's a horrible situation. We'll talk about that in a little bit. I want to focus on on a, on a political story, uh, and I don't know to what extent people care about Bernie Sanders at this point. But the Bernie Sanders story with the think tank, uh, the Sanders Institute is, I think, important in the sense that it reflects a reality that we all need to start wrapping our brains around. Uh, and it has to deal with the swamp. I, I've been saying for a little while now that when you look at the guy like a creature like Joe Biden, okay, and you wonder, well, how, how can this guy look himself in the mirror when he spent his entire adult life in politics basically uh, making a crap load of money uh, by making backdoor deals, uh, and, well, upfront deals and uh, money laundering and selling policy for cash. And we, we look at a guy like that as an extreme example of something. And, oh, my God, what a piece of crap he is. And certainly he is, in fact, a soulless piece of crap. But I've been saying for a couple of days now, but you know what? For a guy like Biden, he probably doesn't see anything wrong with it because that's just what you do. And I had mentioned about a week ago, I, I watched uh, one of my favorite old movies, Serpica, with Al Pacino, where he plays uh, a New York City uh, undercover cop in the 70s. And at that point in, in the city, the police, the, the NYPD, were so corrupt that it was just kind of a given. It was accepted and a foregone conclusion that if you're a cop in New York, you're going to get a check, you're going to get an envelope of cash every day to look the, look the other way in certain situations. It's just what you do. Uh, and so now we have the senator, senator from Vermont who has marketed his entire political existence on socialism, the evils of capitalism and Wall Street and corporate America, and they trod over people's rights, and they've killed the middle class, and working Americans are getting screwed left and right, and we need to do something about this. And it comes out yesterday. This won't shock you because we've heard of this heard of this sort of thing about Bernie Sanders in the past. But apparently, when he was running for president, uh, he funneled, or I guess I, I don't know, I don't know how you describe it. I guess money laundering is trace that would, would be the best way to do it. Uh, about two hundred thousand dollars find its finds its way from Bernie Sanders' campaign, his his uh, his treasure chest on a campaign trail, into his own uh, think tank, the Sanders Institute. And then finds its way, which is technically owned by his wife. Just like technically John Kerry's ketchup wife owns all the uh, private jets and crap, not him. Finds its way to his wife's uh, think tank and magically finds its way into the salary of her son. And I started looking at I, I didn't. I looked into this last night. This is the basic reporting on this, uh, that the, the Sanders Institute doesn't appear to do anything. Uh, the Sanders Institute is supposed to be kind of a wonky policy factory where they're not only propping up other organizations that uh, or supporting financially with grants others other organizations that are pro-democracy and anti-capitalism and pro-human rights and all this crap. In fact, the purpose, uh, stated purpose, uh, according to Jane Sanders, uh, on what this think tank, this organization is supposed to do is to promote, quote, progressive voices. 
told this to the Washington Post. The purpose is to revitalize democracy in the support of progressive institutions. Our feeling is at our point in time, our country is at a crossroads and people are engaged in a political process that can be opaque, that can be opaque. In other words, it's cloudy, it's murky, you don't know what's going on, and yet, meanwhile, no, she goes on, this is just rich, a vital democracy requires an, requires an informed electorate, civil discourse, and bold thinking. So we put together this team to focus on issues, but not in a partisan way. <laughs> Not in a way that just focuses on the latest crazy thing it will be about. It will not be about Trump, she said, in 2019, which means it's all about Trump. Uh, It will be about the issues facing the country. Uh, Let's see. They suspended operations uh, once Bernie Sanders secured the Democratic nomination in 2019. They didn't want to appear improprietous, if that's the word, which it probably isn't. Uh, and then, uh, uh, without a lot of, uh, fanfare, they went back into operation. I'm reading from the Fox News story, which also quotes the Washington Post story. And according to its, uh, tax documents from 2021, this nonprofit is spending about 40% of its donations on salaries. And, uh, uh, quote, appears to conduct minimal work and have very few identifiable accomplishments. They're not handing out, well, they hand out some grants. Uh, Let's see, they raised $700,000 in 2021. $250,000 of that went to wages, including $150,000 in salary to her son, who was the executive director. Uh, Point being... And, 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 and moreover, uh, much of the money uh, that was donated to Bernie Sanders, again, found its way into this think tank. And the think tank itself has received a lot of donations from some big money people, including, oddly enough, Walmart. Now, the, 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 who's the, what, Walton, is that the family that owns Walmart? They made some pretty hefty donations. They're pretty big in corporate America. <laughs> Biggest retail chain, I guess, or retail entity on planet Earth. Yeah, they bought the Denver Broncos they last bought, year right. for like $2 billion. So apparently Bernie Sandy, Sanders actually really digs corporate America and Wall Street and makes a crap load of money off of it. Again, circling back around, uh, to quote the former Jen Psaki or whatever the hell her name is now or whatever the hell she's doing. That lion ginger chick that was the press secretary before uh, the black lesbian who's currently lying her ass off. Uh, this is just what you do. Uh, I, you know what? I bet you if you quit, just like when Deuce, the Deucester, Peter Deucey, hopped, the, uh, <laughs> hopped the, the gate yesterday and asked J- Joe Biden about uh, his son's business deals and testimony that, from Devin Archer that he's actually sitting in on these meetings and on speakerphone. What a lousy question. I bet you you bring this up to Bernie Sanders, he's going to be just as mystified and, you know, annoyed by the question. You know why? Making money when you're a politician is just what you do, baby. You take the money, you take the envelope of cash, you look the other way. That's just how things are done. This is the very definition of the swamp. Why a guy like Bernie Sanders, a rich, privileged white man... Uh, who is corrupt as hell, is so beloved by the left, is just mystifying. But then again, when you, when you depend on an army of stooges who don't read stuff like this and don't, aren't even aware of it, you know, this is how a guy like this continues. Same way Joe Biden continues. Look, th- it's their nature. It's what they do. Very briefly, there's a story. I can't remember where I first heard this story. It might be an old traditional people's story i don't remember but there, it's a story of uh, i think a, uh, a, a turtle or or some kind of animal that can swim i can't remember what it was and a snake and the the snake wants a ride across the river and so this turtle i think it is uh decides to help the snake out and uh, let the snake ride on its back while they're floating across the river and they get about halfway across and the snake bites the turtle uh, and sends a bunch of poison through the, tur- through the turtle. The turtle starts sinking and asks in its final moment, why did you bite me? 
I was helping you. And the snake replies, it's my nature. <laughs> I'm a snake. I bite people. Same thing with the, with the American politician uh, who is a creature of the swamp. This is just what you do. You and I would not even be talking about this if not for Donald Trump, which is why they hate his guts so much. So there you go. Bernie Sanders <laughs> laundering money from his own campaign into his own think tank to enrich himself and his son and or stepson and his wife. Uh, and uh, that's, uh, that's life in the, uh, in the methane, baby. 210-599-5555. We'll take a break at Sean on Newstalk 550 KTSA. The Sean Rima Show. San Antonio's news, traffic, and weather station. News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. And we're back 22 minutes after 9 on News Talk 550 KTSA, FM 1071. And I, it, this is funny. I was going to talk about Trump, you know, without really doing it, still calling Chris Christie a fat pig. <laughs> Whatever you do, don't call him a fat pig. Nobody's going to call him a fat pig in this rally. Don't call him a... You know, I mean, he's brilliant. And uh, my intrepid producer, uh, James Trevino, just uh, brought... I didn't hear, see this story. I guess they want him to sign another loyalty pledge to the GOP. I just, I'm just seeing this. I just saw it this morning. <laughs> this is the second time they've tried this crap on him. It's hilarious. Right? It was either in 2016 or 2020 that they tried to do the same damn thing to... Well, we want him to sign a loyalty pledge, so if he gets elected, he'll abide by, uh, I guess, the GOP's platform or whatever the hell. And, of course, his answer is, why would I sign a loyalty pledge? And there's people I don't want to be president on that on that stage, right? Yeah, because it says in the pledge that uh, you affirm that if you do not win the presidential nomination, you will endorse whoever does. Why would he do that? So if Fat Chris Christie, I'll call him a fat pig, if if that big plate of lasagna actually made it (laughs) to the nomination stage, why the hell would Trump endorse that? Why would Trump endorse Mike Pence? Why would Trump, I mean, DeSantis, Ian Ian DeSantis hate each other's guts now. Why DeSantis, they're all running against him. They're all using his own policies to run against him. Why would he endorse any of them, man? Will Hurd has already said that he would not sign it also. Oh, boy. Well, that's key. that was keeping me up late at night. <laughs> Still. Will who? Yeah, but why? right. Well, I won't sign it either. Hey, Will, nobody cares. <laughs> nobody cares what you sign, dude. Okay? You, you, <laughs> I wouldn't have certain people, as you know, somebody that would be somebody that I endorse. This is Trump. So they want, they want you to sign a pledge. I can name three or four people that I wouldn't support for president. So right there, there's a problem. I don't even know what this loyalty pledge. What does that even freaking mean, man? What is this, a fraternity? This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. A loyalty pledge. Do you put your fingers up like the Boy Scouts? Is he going to wear a promise ring? (laughs) Can he get a a GOP promise ring on his finger? Holy crap. I pledge not to have sex with anybody else that's not a Republican. Or oh, my wife. Now about that fat pig. <laughs> they, they know he's not going to sign it. See, this this is where people start. You know, Trey and I were talking about you know politicians that are just full of crap, and people can't. St- I I personally can't stand politicians. The American politicians. I think they're the lowest form of life in America, apart from like pedophiles and sex traffickers and abusers and rapists and stuff. Then you have the American politician. They're all scumbags. To a greater or lesser extent, they're all scumbags. All American politicians have, to a greater or lesser extent, what I call the scumbag gene. And eventually the chromosomes kick in, and it, it, whatever they espouse on the campaign trail, whatever they say they're going to do for you, and they're here for the people, baby, they're just there for themselves, man. And, and people are tired of it. Look, Donald Trump is living, breathing proof of how tired of the bullcrap people are when it comes to politicians. So they, they're setting him up. They come up with this jive idea of a loyalty pledge, which they already know he's not going to sign, so that then they can campaign on that happy crap and say, well, he wouldn't sign the Republican loyalty pledge, so I don't even know if he's a Republican. You know what? He's not. 
<laughs> the Republic, and I'm the first to admit it, and I knew this in 2015, 2016, the Republican Party is merely the vehicle by which he entered the race. I don't, I no more believe today that Donald Trump is a diehard Republican than I did, you know, four, six years ago, however long it was. But then again, I'm also not a Republican. You know why? Because there's a whole lot of Republicans swimming in the swamp, man. There's a whole lot of Republicans that reek every bit as much of methane as, as any of these other yahoos on the Democrat side. They're all swamp critters. So, no, I'm not shocked that Donald Trump, you know what? I wouldn't like him as much if he did. I, I, you know what? You want to see a dip in numbers for Donald Trump. Have Donald Trump actually sign a loyalty pledge to the GOP. His numbers will dip, man. You could put his ass in jail. You can indict him all day long. He can tell all the dirty jokes he wants. He can call that meatball out of uh, New Jersey uh, a fat pig all he wants, and his numbers skyrocket. That guy, si- and he knows it. That guy signs a GOP loyalty pledge. Phew. Because the instant he does that, it's like what I was saying yesterday about me apologizing on the air for crap. As soon as he signs that GOP loyalty pledge, it's over, and he knows it. His strength is that he's not loyal to the political establishment. That's why people love him, man. He's an outlaw. <laughs> he's got the outlaw ethic, man. <laughs> but, you know, on this show, uh, James and Don, whatever you whenever I don't want any of you guys ever calling... That plate of lasagna out of New Jersey, a fat pig. No one is going to say the words fat pig on my show. Don, I don't want you saying fat pig. Okay, yeah, he's fat, he's a pig, but you're not going to say he's a fat pig on this show. We got standards. (laughs) (laughs) One of the quotes. The way down here, but we got him. One of the quotes from Trump was uh, uh, addressing Christie was (laughs) it's not a question of guts, it's a question of intelligence. (laughs) <laughs> He's got plenty of guts. There's the joke. Yes, They're hanging yes. over his belt line. But I'm not going to call him a fat pig. Because I got class. Anyway, it's politics in America. <laughs> yeah, once again. Uh, and You're I. Uh, I'm not a fan of the photo op, I take it. But I, you know, the politi- they're so full of. Cr- it's like Pence pumping the gas. The peeper's going off because he hasn't hit regular or supreme. Right. My you know fa- what I mean? No, people see through that crap these days. My favorite is when they show up at the scene of a disaster oh, and God. act like they're actually helping clean things up. Right. There's, yeah. there's, uh, there's the gay guy from the Department of Transportation <laughs> and his, like, Bruno Mollies. Yeah. You know, and he's, he's <laughs> you know, empty. he's helping unload a supply truck for these people. They're I've, so full of crap, all of them. I've always said that the modern politician probably lost their high school uh, president election. <laughs> And they just haven't gotten over it, and they weren't student body president. But, you know, yeah, it's just, you know, that fakey way of talking that they all have, man. Even fat Chris Christie. <laughs> and, yeah, I'll make fun of his weight. I don't give a crap. I used to weigh 300 pounds. I can do it, man. I got I got fat cred. <laughs> you can do it, pal. Just go vegan for a few months. It'll happen for you, okay? Stop, stop at the Merlot, okay, and you'll, you'll, you'll skinny up real quick. You know when you're driving down the street in the morning and you happen upon a Dunkin' Donuts, keep on driving. Just keep on driving, keep on man. Driving. Don't even look don't, at the sign, dude. Right. Don't even look at the, sa- the specials for the day. Yeah. All right. And if you need to spend money there, buy, buy a round for somebody else. But don't you call him a fat pig. He's eating right now even as we speak. All right. 2105. <laughs> Two one zero five nine. I got. I'm out of time. The glandular well, Just very quickly, there's a couple of words my wife really hates, and so I make it a point to say them as much as possible. I'm never going to say that word, baby, because it offends you. Two one zero five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Sean on Newstalk five fifty KTSA. Smart speakers and us make smart listeners most of the time. Tell your smart speaker to play KTSA. News Talk 550 KTSA FM 107-1940. I'm Sean. Hi. Phone lines are open. 210-599-5555. Well, I, I want to talk just briefly about um, w- some really frightening images that we're all seeing out of Hawaii, uh, specifically, I guess, Maui, with this wildfire uh, just raging across the island. 
and uh, uh, I guess the, the, the number we have now is 36, but I think we all know that's going to be much higher uh, when the smoke clears, as it were. And I don't, and I do a lot of grab ass on the radio and I make a lot of jokes and I, I'm really just here to make you laugh. I really just want to crack you up as much as possible. That's what I wake up in the morning intent on doing is putting a smile on your face. This is one of those situations where it's not a radio shtick. It's not, I, I don't, I don't know what else to say about it. Other, say about this, these kinds of cataclysms, these kinds of events uh, that, that humans have to endure other than pray. Uh, you know, pray for these people. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm watching this, and I, I you know, it, 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 we live in this weird paradox on planet Earth here, uh, the, a natural paradox that we're all a part of, in that very often the, the very things that we require to be alive uh, and that sometimes we're arrogant enough to think that we somehow manipulate and control can kill us. And just destroy uh, your whole world. Uh, and I was thinking about this this morning, driving in, uh, especially after I watched some of this coverage this morning. You know, we need, we need, you and I need fire, air, and water. <laughs> we can't live without fire, air, and water. We are creatures of the water. We got to hydrate, got to drink the water. Uh, we need air to breathe in our lungs just to walk around. Uh, wind also, and there was a time where you couldn't get around on planet Earth unless you had some wind in your sails. Fire. We need fire. We need warmth to keep our bodies healthy and to not freeze. We need fire to cook our food so we don't poison ourselves with our own nourishment. We need fire, air, and water. And the paradox is that when fire, air, or water decides to just be what they are, they can destroy your whole city, your whole town. I mean, uh, too much wind and, uh, and water in New Orleans is, uh, is drowning uh, and destroyed. Uh, too much fire and, you know, even in paradise, you're living in a, a kind of apocalypse. You know, it's, it, this is the paradox that we, that we live in. And uh, it breaks your heart watching this unfold, and and because there's there's very little you can do about it until I hate to say it, the fire's done with you. And uh, I I have uh, an immeasurable respect for people, human beings, who will stand in front of a wall of fire and do what they can to protect other human beings from being burned or losing their lives or losing their homes or what have you. Uh, and also, Trey mentioned uh, these folks that are flying these helicopters and these planes to try to get people out. I mean, they are magnificent human beings, as are the fire people who, who do battle with these things. And I, you know, I, I don't know what else to say other than live each day of your life like it's a blessing and a miracle. That's what I try to do. This is a recent develop for, development for me. I wasn't this guy for a long time, but, you know, any given day, could be that day when something really, really, really horrible happens. And uh, I, I think the key to understanding or living within that paradox, that natural paradox, uh, without you know, just keeping your sanity, is that we all live in paradise. You know, It's all around you every single day, no matter where you are. Uh, and, and you got to take stock of that. I, I know my life has been a lot better and is a lot better and a lot healthier on, on many different levels the more I see every single moment as a gift and a blessing. Uh, and, and watching uh, what these folks are enduring uh, uh, with just fire. Just fire raging across the island. It takes your breath away. And uh, again, what else are you going to do but pray for them? And pray for the people who are trying to rescue folks. I know Trey brought up the story of uh, they, we already have video of you know, people running down the streets or on their bicycles or whatever, trying to warn people, you got to leave, you got to leave. Because the, the thing about fire is, baby, when it's coming for you, it moves real fast. Uh, and you look at the wind currents around uh, a, a land formation like Maui and where they are right now is basically because of the wind. The fire ain't going nowhere. Uh, so very sad, disturbing as hell. 
and worthy of us just praying for these people and these souls who are in the in the in the path of this thing. God bless them. God bless every single one of them. And I, I, people, they're, they're not all rich people that live no. in Hawaii. And there's no. probably people without insurance on their homes yeah. or, or been passed down from their parents. So there's going to be some, obviously, financial devastation. Yeah. I mean, yeah, people got to man the stores and the restaurants and the gas stations that cater to the people with the money that live there. You, you always have a service industry level or a layer of people. And plus, as you said... You have traditional peoples who who have just lived there generation after generation after generation. That island is all they know, uh, and it's it's under siege right now by fire and wind and water, frankly. So uh, pray for them. That's all we that's all we can do. Let's pray for them. Two one zero five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Let's take a break. It's Sean on News Talk five fifty KTSA. The news, weather, traffic, and sports for your That's day. Why I Always on News Talk five fifty KTSA. All day, every day. And FM one zero seven one. News Talk five fifty KTSA FM one zero seven one. I'm Sean. Hi, we're back. Two one zero five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Go to the phones here, Ray. Ray, how you doing? Hey, how's it going, Sean? Pretty good, man. I wanted to talk about wanted to talk about Lahaina. I actually lived in Lahaina for fourteen months. Mm. Wow. And uh, you know, I mean, I I can tell you what it was like there. Um, Mick Fleetwood from Fleetwood Mac had a restaurant there, and every sunset they would have a bagpipe player up on the roof play. Oh, wow. And that that is now gone. That mm. building is gone. And uh, it's just devastating what's happening out there. And as far as the people who actually live there in that service industry, you're right. There, there are probably a lot of homes because there's something out there called Hawaiian homes. You have to be an indigenous or native Hawaiian right. to live in these communities. And that went down because that was right in the path of the fire when it came down the mountain. You know, it's just awful. I, you know, I, I, I've never been to Hawaii. My, uh, uh, my dad was stationed there in the fifties, and so I grew up seeing these grainy, you know, eight millimeter films of of Hawaii. And even looking at it through, you know, a, a flickering lens like that, you realize just how beautiful it is, just magnificent. And I, I it's, your heart just breaks for these folks because you're right; they're not people. Kind of sometimes, I'm not saying in this situation, but they hear somebody lives in Hawaii, and James is right. They kind of make this immediate assumption that they're these wealthy people. They're the only people that can afford to live there, and it's simply not true. My nephew lived out there for a number of years uh, on the beach, basically, and, you know, he wasn't a rich dude. Uh, yeah, there are several homeless people in uh, in Lahaina itself because um, having not, if you've not been to Maui, Maui is kind of like two islands that collided. It was like two uh, volcanoes that came up. Wow. And um, so it's in the kind of a shape of a peanut. And Lahaina is on that western coast. And Lahaina actually has Hawaiian for hot air. Wow. That's because it's very windy there. Right. Um, and uh, just seeing this devastation, and I mean, when I saw Front Street, which is the main thoroughfare for downtown Lahaina, which was nothing but shops and... Uh, restaurants and you know little curio shops and that's all gone i mean the banyan tree which was a like a haven this is it is actually the largest tree in the united states trey was talking about that so this this is this tree that is very old and has roots that connect i guess throughout the island right it is the banyan tree was like right across from what was called uh the wharf it was a theater, a little theater, but a whole bunch of shops. And, um, and behind it was an old building that used to be the, uh, I believe it was City Hall of some type, but it's an old brick structure. Right. And the Banyan Tree was like the hangout. That's where, you know, you, you kind of met up with your friends if you wanted to go surfing or um, and everything, anything else out there. And it was just, uh, everyone knew the Banyan Tree. And... When I saw that, I saw it on fire in pictures this morning when I Googled, hmm. and it just it broke my heart because I know these places. And right. the Baldwin House, because you got to think, there were missionaries that came from New England out there with the whalers, and that from like the eight, early 1800s. Hmm. Man. And one of them was the Baldwin family, and they, their home was a museum. 
and that's gone. Again, it's heartbreaking. Oh, we just pray that this, you know, again, especially when you're talking about the winds out there, it, it looks to me, I'm not an expert, but just from the radar I'm looking at it, it, it looks like the wind itself is kind of not only fueling the fire, but keeping it there. It's not, you know. Uh, I, go out. What's that? And, and, and I, it's the wind, because of where Maui's located on that west coast, and it kind of funneled because the uh, the island of Molokai and the island of Lanai made up that channel. That's all Maui County. And so the winds come through and they just get funneled there and get intensified. Um, that's what, and that just blows, I mean, like I said. Well, fire eats wind, you know. I mean, it it, 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 it it just fuels it, I would think. Yeah, and there's a lot of grasslands uh, from what were pineapple plantations there. Mm. Mm. So, and we were talking. I didn't. I forgot. And we were talking about this earlier. You know, uh, Willie's got a place out there. Uh, I and I, we, James, you looked it up, right? It's yeah. He's yeah, He's in Maui. He's over in yeah, but he, he's over on the other side of the island. Oh, okay. He's he's over by uh, not Pu- Paia. Yeah, they, they oh. call it East Maui or something okay. like that. Well, I'm not saying yeah, that it's, it's you know, yeah. that Willie being there is any more or less important than everybody else who's there and, and is suffering this. But, you know, it's just a tragedy of, of proportions that it's hard to wrap your mind around. But where do, where do these people go? They have nowhere. It's an island. They can't go anywhere. I know. They, yeah. And they probably, because of their being not as wealthy, can't afford to just relocate and move to the U.S. Right, right. Well, um, I can tell you this. There used to be a ferry out there that would run between the islands. Because basically when you're on an island, you're on an island. I mean, you can only drive so far. Right. Uh, and and after that, it's right. and the roads, I, once you go to Hana, are bad. But right. what I was going to say is they discontinued that ferry because they said it was environmentally dangerous. Oh, come on. Oh, I got to go, man. I'm just out of time. We'll talk some more on the other side of the news. It's Sean on uh, News Talk 550 KTSA. Sean Rima, 9 till 11, News Talk 550, KTSA, and FM 1071. And we're back five minutes after 10 on News Talk 550, KTSA, FM 1071. I'm Sean. And phone lines are open, 210-599-5555. Um, you know, it, 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 just to kind of segue uh, into what we're going to discuss now, you know, things like what you're seeing going on in Hawaii right now, don't they diminish even more your appetite for bull crap? You know, just stupid bull crap. And now I got to dive right back into the stupid bull crap. Corey Bush. I'll wait till you stop laughing. Corey Bush. Who's, she's a joke, man. Corey Bush. Uh, we, we, I don't think we mentioned it yesterday, but yesterday uh, was the ninth anniversary of the death of Michael Brown which arguably uh, was the event that kicked off uh, the entire BLM thing and cops are racist and they suck and they're horrible and we got to defund the police and sometimes we got to riot in the streets, you know, to make our point and all that stuff. That that whole season in this country really kind of began, in my opinion, even more so than Trayvon, Trayvon Martin, the Michael Brown story. Uh, and Corey Bush out of Mizarra uh, posts, I guess, tweeted or X'd or whatever the hell we're calling it now yesterday. Today is the ninth anniversary of Mike Brown's killing. He would be alive today if the institutions of racism and white supremacy were eradicated. He should be alive today. We will never forget. We will continue to fight for justice and accountability. Everything she just said right there was a lie. Bull crap. Uh, and I, I forget who it was. I guess it was, was it Matt? It was Matt Walsh. Walsh is it? Yeah, Matt Walsh. I, I don't follow him normally, but I, 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 you know, pretty prominent guy apparently uh, as a commentator. And it kind of brings up the Goebbels ethic of, well, if you just repeat a, bull, a piece of bullcrap enough times, eventually it becomes truth. Matt Walsh, this only goes to show how the left 
uh, play the long game. The whole Michael Brown narrative has been definitively exposed as a hoax, but they will keep repeating it year after year after year until we get tired of correcting it. And the truth is forgotten by history. So let me take a moment to correct that bit of bullcrap right now. Okay. Uh, Obama's own Justice Department and the Civil Rights Division, I can't remember what it's called, but within the Justice Department, uh, in the full weight of the federal government, uh, via the Attorney General at that point, Eric Holder, who was an absolute soulless piece of crap, uh, investigated what happened, the, the interactions, and also the choices made by Michael Brown on that day between he and Officer Darren Wilson, who this is one of those things that's already been forgotten by history uh, just hours prior to encountering encountering uh, Michael Brown. Darren Wilson, uh, because of his intervention, saved the life of an infant African-American child who I believe was choking, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Obama's own Justice Department and the full weight of the federal government at that time investigated this and found nothing racial happened. Nothing. uh, Darren Wilson, their conclusion, Eric Holder's conclusion, okay, was that Darren Wilson did everything properly according to his training. Michael Brown, who is not just a little kid, was a massive human being and a criminal who had gone into a convenience store of some kind or a store of some kind and choked, I believe, the, uh, the owner of this place and stole a bunch of cigars. We know as a matter of fact and of the historical record that he physically had a physical altercation with a police officer in his own vehicle. Remember that? Reached into the vehicle. Darren Wilson, I believe, if I remember correctly, was following Michael Brown, who was on foot. He was following him in his car, if I think, if I'm correct. And they they had a physical interaction where Michael Brown attempted to get his gun. Point being, okay, if my lily white ass went down the street and did everything Michael Brown did on that day, I also would be dead. It is a lie. It is a flat-out freaking lie to say that Michael Brown died as a result of police racism, systemic racism, white supremacy. None of that had anything to do with Michael Brown's death. And yet, Michael Brown, according to Cori Bush, who was also an idiot, would be alive today. If the institutions of racism and white supremacy were eradicated, I'll tell you what, if you understand why that's true, you call me up and explain it to me. I know, James, you're not going to have to really probably field a lot of calls on this one. But if you know, right, if you're out there listening to this program because you hate yourself or whatever, you like pain, you like to listen to me, I don't know. (laughs) You're a masochist, I don't don't know. But if you're listening listening to me right now and you honestly believe, you believe that Michael Brown died as a result of racism, white supremacy, okay? You call me up and explain how that is. You, you know, maybe I'm not seeing it. Maybe you need to educate me. Maybe I'm blinded by my freaking privilege. But you call me up right now, and you explain to me how Michael Brown died as a result of racism, systemic racism. I'd love to hear it. Because you know what? It's kind of odd. I don't know. Would a racist system allow for Cory Bush to even be a congressperson, congressman? Would, a, would systemic? You know, Obama was, used to scream and yell about that stuff. Well, how in the hell did that system allow you to be president two times in a row for two terms? How did a systemically racist system allow for Eric Holder to be the nation's attorney general? So, yeah, again, I'm open to new information. I like to consider myself an actual intellectual. I'll take in some new information. Maybe I'm wrong. Again, maybe I can't see through my inherent racism as to how Michael Brown uh, uh, perished as a result of of racism. Because I'm not seeing it. And apparently your own government didn't see it at the time. The Obama administration didn't see it. But remember everything that happened as a result? Eric Holder and the Civil Rights Commission 
uh, went through every, or at least attempted to go through every PD in this country at that point to root out racism, right? Uh, that was the beginning of the slashing of budgets uh, of, uh, of uh, police departments because they're so stinking racist and horrible. And cops just wake up every day wanting to grease a black guy. So let's take their money away so they can't buy bullets to shoot the black guys they want to kill. The Michael Brown case put the target on the back of every police officer in this country, even the Hispanic and black ones, oddly enough. Uh, and uh, the, the, the very same people investigated the case and said there was no racism. So, you know, again, if you know where the racism was in that case, you call me up and tell me because I don't know where it is. Again, I don't expect to get many calls on this. Phone lines are still open, Cody. Still, there, all all six lines, or how many? Four lines. All the li- all the lines are open, man. We're waiting for you, baby. Because if you're sitting out there going, "That's John Ryman. He's such a MAGA hat wearing QAnon guy. He's so stinking racist. He doesn't understand that Michael Brown was killed by racism." All right, well, educate me, enlighten me, call me up and t- and explain to me wh- how how it was a a racial uh, occurrence. How it was. A racial attack. I'd love to hear it, man. You should not be getting a busy signal. All lines are open. Go All ahead. lines are open, baby. We're, wait- we're just waiting on you, man. Operator sitting by. Because you know what? The Michael Brown thing being about racist cops is a, is a foregone conclusion for some people at this point. It's a for- Just like George Floyd was a stellar human being and a hapless victim that was preyed upon by racist cops. Two of whom, two of which I think were black themselves. So I, I don't know. You, you, you tell me. You, you explain it to me, and I'd love to hear it. Because again, I'm kind of going with the government's own results of their investigation. Didn't make the news. It wasn't. I don't remember. It wasn't a huge news story. I was here working here when that happened. It wasn't a huge news story. Or maybe I was in Austin. I don't remember now. I'm just saying. The government it, it, does. It does. Is Cori Bush aware of her own government's investigation into the Michael Brown case? Apparently not. You know why? Because Cori Bush needs racism, man. Who is Cori? But what has Cori Bush done? Can anybody? I tell you what. While you're calling me up and educating me about the systemic racism that killed Michael Brown, maybe you can also call me up and explain to me what exactly has Cori Bush done uh, in her time in office. What what problem has she solved? What uh, piece of historic legislation has she authored or sponsored that improved one person's life in this country, whether they're black or Hispanic or gay or or trans or, or whatever, man? I'd love to hear that, too. too I, think, I think it's a big no on both uh, questions. 210-599-5555. 210-599-5555. We'll take a little break. And then I'll uh, a little later on, I'll explain to you why everybody was yelling at me on where in Rima earlier today, simply because I made a cosmic and spiritual observation of something. It's coming up. Uh, should I take a call real quick? Donald, how you doing? Very good. Thank you for asking, sir. Sure. Um, I have a cousin who's a, a leans very left, and we've actually had this conversation before. I can't uh, uh, go to bat for the other side, but I can share what she, uh, what her thought process was. Sure. Uh, the institutional racism, in, in, in as much as the police are concerned, was uh, she says that you know the because you know police uh, uh, you know have the authority and stuff that that gives them a privileged uh, uh, position and they feel more power and. And white men are more susceptible to that, to that, uh, that power of hunger, if you will. And then, as far as the uh, the black community, she says, well, you know, a lot of times these officers go into black communities, and uh, you know, there there are, are in some instances higher crime there. But the fact that you know they uh, they are predisposed to uh, to to presume that everybody there is, you know, going to be conducting criminal activity is racist in their viewpoint, in her viewpoint, you know, it's like, you know, well, you, you, you may go into 
Alamo Heights, you know, and, and you don't feel like there's a lot of crime there. So you may see white people and, you know, this was her thought process. Like I said, you know, you may see a bunch of white people. Oh, well, you know, this ain't a crime, but you go, you know, in a particular part of San Antonio that has a, you know, a larger black population and, and, and the officers feel like or are, are predisposed in her opinion, but that, uh, well, you know, yeah, and I've, I've that, heard uh, this before and, and, you yeah. know, you, you have to also deal with the statistical reality. I mean, if you go to the West side yeah. and there's a lot of crime on the West side, well, the West side is what predominantly Hispanic, right? Yes. Sir. Even yes, though sir. the fact that they are Hispanic has absolutely nothing to do with people yep. choosing to commit crimes. It's just yeah. it, numerically, if if you're in if you're in Baltimore, if you're in inner city Baltimore, okay, which I know very well, you're dealing with a predominantly black community, right? So if you have high crime rates there, okay, you, you, well, yeah, the majority of the people committing the crimes in that community are black because the majority of the people in the community are black. So yeah. you're trying to layer some idea of racism on top of it. Yes. And that that, really, you know, that's what I told her. I said, not, you're, you're just <laughs> well, and it's you're, the, it's you're putting not, it all on one thing. You are, you know, come on now. And it's not saying that it doesn't happen, that there isn't profiling. Yeah. I, I, for a year when I worked in Austin, I lived in Lakewood or Lakeway, Texas. Lakeway, oh yeah. All right, and I, I lived in the one crappy house in that community. They're all McMansions, <laughs> and we rented this hippie house out there. And I didn't have a freaking car, so I would drive into that golf course community. In a Lalay van, it was a Hispanic van from <laughs> from from the station I was working for because I was out there by myself, so I didn't have a car, and I got followed by a cop every single day I went home. But again, I don't feel that that was racially motivated. It was motivated by the fact that it was just odd for that community. Yeah, that you know, I mean, yeah. you, you you know, so. Again, they're trying to layer something on top, especially with yeah. the Darren. Now, you can make the claim in some of these other cases, but it's it's impossible to make that claim uh, in regards to Michael Brown. I got to run, man. I'm just out of time. 210-599-5555. It's Sean on News Talk 550 KTSA. The Sean Rima Show. This is Jack Riccardi. Stay connected to News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071 on Facebook, Twitter, and online at KTSA.com. Yeah, and we're back. News Talk 550 KTSA, FM 1071. I'm Sean. We're talking about Corey Bush tweeting uh, about the ninth anniversary of the death of Michael Brown and how it was a result of systemic racism. And I'd asked, uh, you know, if you understand, because the, the own, our own government, the Obama, the Obama administration determined there was nothing racial in that case. And I hate to say it, but you know Eric Holder and Obama wanted it to be racial. And even they had to admit nothing like that happened. And so I opened it up to the phone to the phone lines. And I guess we got a call, James, from a guy named Reno. Yes, sir. What did Reno say? Uh, that you need to stop living in the past and bringing up uh, other past administrations and stuff. Well, Reno, we wouldn't be talking about it if a prominent Democrat hadn't tweeted about it yesterday. I explained that <laughs> to uh, Senor Reno, and it didn't matter. Hey, Reno, why you tripping on me, man? It's a news story, man. This Corey... I was talking about a news story. Hey, mamas. Corey... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Corey Bush is a piece of work. What You said you looked up some of her, her bills that she's sponsored? Every, everything or? she has sponsored or brought to the table is just in committee. Nothing's been passed. But the names Shocking. are Freedom to Decide Act, Original Slavery Remembrance Day Resolution, Women's Health Protection Act of 2023. It's all abortion. It's all political. It's all political. And everything's in committee. Nothing she has entered has been passed. Got a piece of legislation that feeds anybody or anything like that or provides... Housing for like homeless black vets and stuff. I don't know. Two one zero five nine nine fifty five fifty five two one zero five nine nine fifty five fifty five. Let's see. Should I do this here or do it? Li- First of all, let me. Uh, I, I do want to bring up just very briefly, and then we'll we'll talk about something I got yelled at for on the morning show coming up next after the news. But Peter Ducey is a badass man. I don't know how much they're paying him at Fox, but baby, that guy, that guy's the real deal. In fact, I think him and Heinrich uh, are, are two of the best journalists, on-the-ground journalists they have. 
Peter Ducey uh, is in New Mexico because uh, the feeble old scumbag, the feeble, racist, privileged white scumbag who oddly liberals adore, who is currently occupying the Oval Office and possibly doing lines of coke off a prostitute's butt on the, on the, in the situation room along with his boy. Boy. Deuce, the Deuce is in uh, New Mexico covering that, and I don't know where they were, but Biden's there, and he's surrounded by people, and Deucey is on the other side of, like, one of those temporary gates they put up, you know, to, to keep people away. And he could see Deucey get the president's eye and ask him if he could ask a question. I don't know what happened, but Deucey leaps over the gate. you remember that? He leaps over the freaking gate, man. And gets up to the president and asks this question about, hey, I'm paraphrasing. Do we have the audio? Oh, hell, let's play it. It's fine. There's this testimony now where one of your son's former business associates is claiming that you were on speakerphone a lot with them, talking business. Is that what? I never talk business in anybody. I know you'd have a lousy question. Well, what do you? It's why is that a lousy question? Because it's not true. Thank you, right. Mr. President. Yeah, it is true. And I we we were laughing because there's music playing. And I don't know. Was that music there, or was that a, a video they layered it on top of? I don't know because I pulled that off of YouTube. It wasn't Fox's site, but you nailed the music. It's the Monty Python theme. I think Biden should own this. I think Biden needs to own the Monty Python theme instead of Hail to the Chief. I knew it was a lousy question. And now, not a joke. It's time for the penguin on top of your television set to explode. Not a joke. And now, pal, listen. Now for something completely different. It's the Monty Python. He should, every time that dude enters a room, he should have the Monty Python. It's, it's oddly appropriate to have the Monty Python theme playing when Biden's out there, out and about, man. Because if he doesn't represent the Ministry of Silly Walks, I don't know who does. It's a battle between him and Feinstein as to who has the the, the weaker gate. I just said it. I don't give a crap. So anyway, 210-599-5555. 210-599-5555. Anywhere, anywhere anytime. anytime. And it's just wherever you need it, you can just go online and get it. Get the Sean Ryman Show wherever you get your favorite podcasts. News Talk 550 KTSA FM 1071. I'm Sean. Hi. Phone lines are open 210-599-5555. Now, I'm going to talk about a story out of Italy right now. And I, I am, before I even bring it up, okay, I am still a little mystified as to the re- really fairly pronounced negative reaction to my take on this story from both Mr. Trevino, Mr. Don Morgan over there, Mr. Don Morgan, and even, you know, my brother Trey Ware, all of you were a little upset with me. Well, it started with your horrible butchering of his I, name I, while I, you're I, studying I, Italian. I, I just got, I'm only on lesson number one, okay? Scusi, okay? And it's not, like, I'm, I'm learning Italian. But, and I'm, not, I'm going into this, I'm really not making fun of the guy's death. I'm not making fun of the, the his family's got to deal with this. But you have a guy, Giacomo, 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 Giacomo Ciapparini. No, no, Giacomo, not Giacomo. Giacomo Ciapparini. No. Uh, All right, an Italian guy, 74 years of age. Giapparini. Giapparini. Scusi. Scusi, no capisce l'italiano. Si? Stramboli. Uh, Frank Sinatra. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> See, now you guys are already just bracing. Oh, God. Mr. Ciapparini, or, you know, 74 year old, very successful guy, and lost his life. And, and what happened? He, he's, he's a cheesemaker, a very prominent cheesemaker. He makes a certain kind of cheese as a hard cheese, it's, a, 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 it's akin to Parmesan. Uh, and he's in his warehouse on Sunday. Where you, it's like Home Depot, right? You got stacks and stacks of product. You got stacks and stacks of these wheels of cheese. Each one weighs 84 pounds. And he's in the warehouse doing something, and one of the shelves, shelving, the shelving gave way, and this guy was crushed, unfortunately and tragically, by about 15,000 wheels of 84 pound cheese, Italian cheese. Took him a day to find him. Okay. 
And 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 point in fact, you know, the family is worried not only because they've lost their patriarch, but you know, they got about seven million dollars in product that might spoil. And and you know, what do we do? So yeah, I'm, I'm not. Uh, please understand, I'm really not mocking that part of this story. But I did look at the story this way in that, well, if you're a cheesemaker, <laughs> you make cheese. It's, it's kind of not a bad way to go. Yeah, I'm just, you know what I mean? Like, you know, it's because he he was a cheesemaker. He didn't linger oh, a in a horror. hospital with some horrible oh disease. He was killed by his own cheese. And is that such a hard way to bad way to go? Yes. You know, if you're a cheesemaker, yes, it's a horrible way to well, go. Well, I'm just he didn't feel anything. It was a lot. I mean, oh, I, I assume he know. didn't. Yeah, yeah, he couldn't breathe for several well, minutes. Well, but... but I mean, it's all, a very heavy cheese fell on the guy. And I'm just saying, if you're going to go and you're a cheesemaker, what's wrong with that? that? When your day's up, when your number comes around, when the wheel turns for you, it, you know, it's, that's it. So if you get I'm a- just saying that if he's going to die, that's not a bad way to go for, for a cheesemaker to be killed by your own cheese. So with that analogy, if you get electrocuted to death touching a microphone while you're on if, air, If a microphone pleasant. blew up or, you know, I'd be fine with that. Some people have said I've died many times on the air. I'm just saying, you know, I got a bookshelf full of my own damn books at home, you know. I mean, uh, it's not because I've written dozens of books, but because I got 50 copies of the same damn book. If that damn thing tipped over when I was 74 and crushed my ass, I'd be like, ah, okay. At worst, it's, <laughs> it sprayed an ankle. There's not enough books. They yeah, don't you are. <laughs> I'm just, I don't know what you guys are so horrified over. I'm just saying that's a pretty good death for a guy who makes no. cheese. No, it's not a good death at all. Well, the I, man was I'm crushed never... to death. He should be lying there in bed surrounded by his family. Drinking and, wine and, at you know, 9 and, in the morning like any, like all Italians. Yeah, I'm just right? saying. But you're thinking. Well, he was crushed by tons of his own cheese. Of his own cheese, man. He lay what? That's something there. poetic about that. Okay, the shelves that hold these cheese are 30 <laughs> feet high. That's taller than the highway underpass. It's a lot of, che- lot of cheese, it's man. A lot of cheese. Pretty heavy cheese, too. Yeah. The Parmesan style, the, you know, the heavy it's ones you've got to grade. Yeah, yes, right. it's a big wheel of hard cheese, and it fell on him and crushed him. I'm just saying, you know, that, that that's not... I mean, in his final seconds, I go, well, at least it's a cheese. Uh, you know, I, I mean, you know, I'm no, just, what, no. <laughs> what did I say earlier? It was a Gouda death. You know, I'm sorry. Oh, God. I'm just. <sighs> Why does his memory work now? I'm just saying right? what's wrong. That it's, it's, it's bad, but he was 74. He lived a good long life. He made a lot of money. Made, he carved his name into the history books with his cheese. His cheese fell over and killed him. And I'm just saying there are, had he been killed by some Genoa, that would have been a little, you know, weird but it was his own cheese i mean is there a better he, he I, I imagine he loved being in his own warehouses around his own cheese yes <laughs> i don't think he was anticipating the fact that well i'm sure he wasn't one day his own cheese was going to be the cause of his demise <laughs> and you're over there i'm saying, just saying there's well, something poetic it's about that what a way to go you're crushed by your own cheese well, i'm not saying it's something you should tr- look for you it'll tr- i mean i'm not saying it's not tragic i'm just saying well, at least it was his cheese, and his cheese fell on him. No. It God bless it wasn't the mozzarella, because that would have taken a little longer. It, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it could have been individually wrapped slices of craft cheese product. <laughs> but, yeah, but this is Italian, fine Italian cheese. The guy's not going to be crushed by Velveeta. Right. Okay? And, it was now, good cheese, too. It was damn good cheese. Now, not only has the family lost their, their patriarch, they have to dispose of all that cheese. They can't sell it now. Yeah, and they might have to it's, it's cut a crime their. Scene. They might have to cut their production for next year. No, you said cut their cheese, cut their cheese production. production. Yeah, that's what you said. Well, right. come on, the line was just hanging there in the air. Yeah, I, I'm. All I'm saying is that you know, for him, that's not a bad way to go. Okay, no, I, I have to disagree, Sean. <laughs> I say it's a horrible way to go. Do you ever think you'd be on the air in your radio career arguing with another broadcaster about whether or not getting crushed by cheese is a good way to die? Well, you know, Did you ever if, see that one coming? If it all ends, <laughs> if after 39 years it all ends on this, I can honestly I say. I take full responsibility. It started with a whimper and ended with falling cheese. <laughs> I'm just, you know. I'm going to go to the Gucci AGB at Bandera in 1604. They have a massive cheese section for the white people in the Lotus. I'm going to go fancy cheeses and hummuses. Yeah. Can you say hummuses? Sure. 
And it's and I'm and, you know I'm gonna hum I, hum M. Uh, Y'all are idiots. I, I'm gonna go to the fancy Gucci H E B at 1604 in Bandera, where all the white chicks wear yoga pants, and I'm gonna uh, buy me some of this man's cheese. I'm gonna oh dare God. you to put some caution tape around a wheel of cheese <laughs> at H E B. No, no. Crime scene. They already hate me there when I show up. Put a oh, cry, hey, careful. I'm just say to somebody, stand back. Say to like one of the one of the stalkers, right? Hey, dude, just make sure that you, that cheese is up a little high there, man. Yeah, you might want to bring that down a little more towards eye level, okay, pal? Wanna, Guy just wanna, lost his life in Italy. We don't want to replay what happened to poor Giacomo over in Giacomo. Italy. <laughs> just, just, I'm just saying. Hey, yeah, you gotta go. You gotta go. If you're a cheese maker, why not be crushed no, by I cheese? Don't, I don't think that's the way to go. Well, it's not like he got botulism because the cheese was bad. Can cheese go bad? Yes. Isn't it already sort of bad to become cheese? But it gets, it gets, <laughs> it gets worse. We a whole new level of bad. <laughs> my God. I love my cheese. <laughs> What's popping in my head is Beck's line, a termite choking on a splinter. <laughs> That's terrible but funny and beautiful. That's perfect. <laughs> Uh, you know what? I hope I'm crushed by my own poem someday. I oh, really do, man. You're both messed up. I hope I blow up on the radio, man. Why not? Go out the way you lived. Here's. Do I get to take a break? Can I talk to Ty real quick? Ty, how are you? Hey, Ty. Uh, You're hey, Ty, Ty. Me, sorry. Tarzan. Yeah, there you go. Hey, listen. My dad's a safe cracker. We've been locksmiths forever, and we've had a couple of mishaps with some safes, but luckily we haven't been injured with them falling off the trailer. But... Recently, he's told me that when he does pass away, he wants to be cremated and locked in one of his safes. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about, man. That's going to be scary and sad at the same time for me to rig a safe up that can't be opened again. I mean, your old man's in there. Why not, man? Go yeah, out with he's, style. He's not going to give you the combo. If you want to see ashes, then you better do what you learned. There you go. That's the there weirdest, you go. That's the weirdest mausoleum ever, but whatever you, know, whatever you got to do. I'm just saying, the yep. dude had style. Okay, all right, man. Ty, thanks for the call. And as Charles Bukowski once said, style is sometimes more important than truth. <laughs> 210-599-5555. Find what you're looking for. Local news coverage, local traffic. It's all waiting here. Locally oriented, which I like. On News Talk 550 KTSA. A local radio that's important to me. And FM 1071. Yeah. Ouch. Ow. Ow. Stub my toe. News Talk 550 KTSA FM 1071. I'm just saying, like, dudes in songs always like to go, ow! It sounds like they're stepping on a Lego in bare feet. 210-599-5555. What a day we've had together today. Uh, and uh, I, I want to bring uh, mention this story just briefly again, sort of uh, highlighting the absurdities of life in the year 2023, both politically and otherwise. Uh, California... Uh, as well as Mississippi. Boy, you never thought California and Mississippi would have something in common, yeah? Do you know that Mississippi and California are the only states in this republic that uh, allow for teenage or, you know, for child marriage? In most other states, you know, I think you've got to have parental consent at some point at 16 or 17 or whatever. Uh, not in California and Mississippi, and... um there has always been an issue with the child marriage laws in places like Mississippi and California. Uh, and it has to do with, for, first and foremost, forced marriages. Uh, and secondly, rape, uh, the crime of rape, in that there are no laws protecting uh, spouses from spousal rape. So if you can marry a 16-year-old, you can then, I guess, do whatever you want with her, and there's no laws to protect you. And so, in California, you have some legislators who are, who are, uh, have sponsored an anti-child marriage law or a ban on child marriages. Which I, I, I think, if you're a, a logical person with a soul, you would agree with, right? It's a good idea, yeah. Well, guess who's against banning child marriages in California? Well. Uh, the two biggest opponents are Planned Parenthood and the ACLU, the American Civil Liberties Union. 
the uh, folks at the American Civil Liberties Union and a couple of other uh, liberal idiot groups and Planned Parenthood, uh, the reason they don't want a legal ban on child marriages in California is because of the slippery slope that may lead to children not being able to make decisions about abortions. I'm serious, man. It doesn't get more dumber than this and sicker. So, yeah, uh, if you uh, uh, Planned Parenthood is there and there's a bunch of protests out there uh, fighting this. You know what's interesting about liberals being against banning the legal banning of of child marriages? Remember Warren Jeffs? Remember when the fundamentalist church, uh, what is the, the the fundamentalist Mormon church, was uh, you know fighting uh, legal barriers to dudes, you know, forty eight year old dudes being able to marry twelve year olds. The very same people who are in California protesting this law banning child marriages were the very same people who, in that back in the Warren Jeff era, Jeff's era, were screaming and yelling about how awful this is. That dudes can marry kids and women can be forced to wear prairie dresses everywhere they go. And it's horrible. And somebody's got to stand up for these women. Well, oddly, in the year 2023, uh, they've completely reversed that idea. And now if you, it should be legal for you to marry a 13-year-old in America because she might want an abortion someday. You know, I, it can't get more insane. I, I, I was talking to my wife about this yesterday, and I, Trey and I talk about it all the time off the air, that I, I've never seen or never lived through in my 55 years a more absurd time. We live, and I wish I could say the word, baby, we live in bullcrap times. And you know which word or version of that word I really intend. Th- this is the era of bullcrap. And again, watching what's transpiring in Hawaii right now really puts into crystal clear perspective how stupid some of this crap is that we argue over every single day in this country. I mean, I, I, no, no offense to trannies, any of the transgender people who might be listening, but watching people see their entire world being destroyed in a handful of hours really kind of puts into perspective uh, whether or not some hairy-ass dude uh, requires me to use the proper pronoun or his life sucks somehow or that person suffers some kind of freaking injury. Give me a freaking break, man. Done with the bullcrap there, guys. I'm just My appetite for bullcrap is at an all-time low, and that includes my own. So as we go through our day, again, uh, if you're watching the coverage out of Hawaii, just say a prayer for those folks. I know you all already are. You don't need me to tell you to do that. But, God, they really need our prayers. (laughs) Oh, the president's coming in. Thank you, James. Thanks to Elaine Rodriguez, my executive producer, Don Morgan, and my good brother, Trey Ware. Spread the love. Don't be a jerk. Bye.